going back to Deuteronomy chapter 3 and we'll read from verse 23 in a few moments but during the week I was aware that the Jewish feast of Purim is, has been taking place in the last few days the feast of Purim started way back after the book of Esther and it's a very happy time for the Jews they, it's really one of their joyous feasts they celebrate the salvation of their race from extinction, extinction uh, when it was ordered by the Persian emperor as a result of plottings by the wicked Haman and we have all this recorded in the book of Esther a book which does not have the name of God mentioned throughout the whole book nevertheless we can see the hand of God acting in government and operating in saving his beloved people you should read the book of Esther it's a, it's a good story I'm sure you're all very much well aware of it there have been many times throughout the Jewish history where people have tried to wipe out the whole nation right from that time of Naaman or Haman, sorry Haman up to the present day we had Hitler we have the so called Palestinian nation and now we have the leader of Iran they don't recognize the Jewish nation's right to exist sixty years ago after the trials in Nuremberg in Germany there was a man called Julius Strecker he was a notorious Nazi anti-Jew anti-Semite and he actually compared himself with Haman he thought he was doing the same job that Haman had sought to do so many years ago like Haman he was also hanged and as he went to his death he shouted Purim 1946 Hail Hitler and he was hanged he was hanged with ten other Nazis were hanged after the Nuremberg trials with Strecker and Haman was hanged with ten of his sons that's right in fact we see a complete circle of things happening in Haman it's all been repeated now in Iran instead of Haman H-A-M-A-N we have H-A-M-A-S Hamas strange isn't it and there are also amazing similarities in the rantings of the Iranian leader now Mah Mahmud Ahmadinejad and he is a supporter of Hamas two men thousands of years apart but still with the same agenda and what they say here's what Haman says in the book of Esther Esther 3 verse 8 the Jews do not obey the king's laws and it does not pay for the king to tolerate their existence as a people that's what Haman said about the Jews here's what the Iranian leader says 
the Islamic community will not allow its historic enemy to live in its heartland. The establishment of the Zionist regime, Israel, was a move by the world oppressor against the Islamic world. The, the Islamic community will not allow its historic enemy to live in its heartland. And Haman says, The king should not tolerate their existence as a people. Haman, it says, he said in, in, in Esther 3 verse 6, he was disdainful of killing Mordecai. But once Haman learned Mordecai was a Jew, he resolved to kill all the Jews in the empire. The Iranian leader says, the skirmishes in the occupied land are part of a, wall of a war of destiny. The outcome of hundreds of years of war will be defined in Palestinian land. So we have these two men with exactly the same agenda but with thousands of years in between. There are still hard times ahead for the Jewish people. Our Lord has predicted it. But I was reading something a Jewish rabbi said 200 years ago. Rabbi Nachman of Breslev. Listen to what he said about his Jewish nation. There will be great tribulations before the Messiah's coming. When many will purify them, themselves and be refined and make themselves shining white in faith. Fortunate indeed is one who withstands these tribulations and remains firm in his belief. He will be worthy of all the good promised to us by the prophets and sages of old. Being forewarned that this has already been predicted, it would seem ridiculous for one to succumb to any temptation to abandon his faith. It would seem obvious that every Jew would have enough intelligence to remain firm. But still, it is a great trial. Many will fall away. Still, I am revealing this for the sake of the few faithful who will remain strong in their belief. They will certainly have great conflicts. But when they see that this has already been predicted, it will give them additional strength and encouragement. And that's what's predicted for people in the Great Tribulation. This Jewish rabbi is aware that there will be Great Tribulation before the Messiah comes. Sadly, they did not believe that their Messiah has already come. And it is when Christ will come to set up his Millennium Kingdom. It's before that that this great tribulation will take place. We believe the only hope for the Jews and for all of mankind is to turn to the Messiah of the Jews, Jesus Christ, who has already come and who will save his people and for any other Jews and others who accept him as their saviour and will save them from this wrath to come, the great tribulation. I thought that was interesting in the light of the fact that they have been celebrating this holiday, this feast of Purim. Pur was the word for a lot. 
they cast lots to decide what day they were going to annihilate the Jews and hence the feast of Purim uh, is the name given to this feast which just has been celebrated by the Jews now having said that I just thought it was interesting let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3 and we'll start reading from verse 23 (coughs) Moses still talking to the people (coughs) and I besought the Lord at that time saying O Lord God thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might I pray thee let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan that goodly mountain land and Lebanon but the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me and the Lord said unto me let it suffice thee speak no more unto me of this matter get thee into the top of Pisgah and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and behold it with thine eyes for thou shalt not go over this Jordan but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him for he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see so we abode, abode in the valley over against Beth the Peor you know it's a very sad piece of scripture that isn't it Moses who had led the people for 40 years who had led them out of Egypt and now he was banned from going into the promised land however Moses pleads with God to be able to go over and he, mo- he, hear- he recognizes the majesty and the power and the awesomeness of God he had seen some wonderful miracles as they had gone through the wilderness in fact right from the time when he went first of all into Egypt to try and get the children of Israel released by Pharaoh he'd seen the redemption of his people out of Egypt that miraculous redemption of the people out of Egypt through the Passover the crossing of the Red Sea the miracles that had taken place as they had gone across the wilderness and yet despite all of these he realized that he'd only seen a bit of God's power he said oh Lord God you have only begun to show me your greatness and your mighty hand For what God is there in heaven or on earth that can do according to your works and according to your might. And so he prayed earnestly that God would permit him to see yet greater works. He knew 
his God was an all-powerful God. And go over into the land, the promised land. But look at God's answer. He said no. That's enough. Say no more to me about it. Why? Why? What had gone so wrong with the way Moses had acted during those 40 years? What had gone wrong that God would not allow him to go into the promised land? What dreadful act had Moses committed that God refused him now to go into the promised land? Now we must go back a few a few years, quite a few years. Let's turn to Exodus. See if we can work out what went wrong. Exodus, Exodus chapter seventeen. I'm going to read it from the New American Standard Bible. It makes it quite clear. From verse one. Exodus 17 verse 1 Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin according to the command of the Lord and camped at Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said give us water that we may drink And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this people? A little more and they will stone me. He was afraid of his life. But he took his problem to the Lord. That's a great thing. Moses was a great man of prayer and he always brought his problems to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile and go now just let me interrupt there for a minute he says take the rod that you had in your hand when you struck the Nile Moses had a staff in his hand when he went before Pharaoh and he did wonderful miracles through that staff but he had this staff in his hand when he went before Pharaoh when he was trying to get the children of Israel released by Pharaoh and if you go back you needn't do it I'll I'll just tell you in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 20 Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh and they Moses and Aaron did even as the Lord had commanded and he lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants and all the water 
that was in the Nile was turned to blood. That's the event that God is speaking about here in Exodus uh, whatever the chapter was we're reading 17. So going back to verse 5 then the Lord said to Moses pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and in your hand your staff with you with which you struck the Nile and go behold I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel he named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not that's the first instance we want to look at the people grumbled they tested God and they grumbled against Moses but God had a plan to provide life giving water Take your rod, the one you used to strike the river Nile. This was the rod of God's authority. God-given authority to Moses in the use of the rod. And he says, use this rod again. This was the rod which he was bringing judgment against Pharaoh. That was the same rod. this time Moses had the assurance that God would be with him he says I will stand before you it's much better than God standing behind him because he was between them and the people which is a much better position if, 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 if when I was a kid if somebody bigger if somebody was going to attack me and somebody bigger stood in front of me in front of the guys who were going to attack you that was a much better position to be in behind the big fellow and Moses was behind God God was in front of him he had been afraid that the people would attack him but now he had the presence of God before him what a, bon a what wonderful comfort that must have been to, to Moses when he went out to meet these people what wonderful comfort we had when we know that Jesus said I will never leave you nor forsake you he's with us in all circumstances this was the rod that had been used in front of God's enemies and now it is to be used again and it was going to bring blessing this time to God's people God said take that rod and smite the rock hit the rock and Moses did and water flowed from the rock and all the people got their water life giving water because the rock had been smitten they got life what a wonderful story that is time moved on and once more the people complained you know they did a lot of complaining they were well known for their complaining the children of Israel and Moses was the one who had to listen to their complaints but
But despite this, he loved them. He was a very gracious man. Despite their complaints, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, God at one stage was going to wipe them out and put, give Moses the, the, the same chance to have a nation called after him. But no, he says, what will the people round about think, God? You know, work with these people. He loved them, despite the trouble they gave him. So, let's go to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. And I read it again from this New American Standard. <clears throat> Numbers 20, and we read from verse 2. There was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Oh, I wish we died with the rest of them. Why then have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us into this wretched place it is not a place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates nor is there water to drink and here again we see that Moses did what he was used to doing then Moses and Aaron came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces before God. They brought their troubles to God. And God, the glory of the Lord, appeared to them. And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Take the rod, take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord just as he had commanded and Moses in there gathered the assembly before the rock and he said to them listen now you rebels shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod and water came forth abundantly and the congregation and their beasts drank but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Those were the waters, the waters of Meribah, 
because the sons of Israel contended with the Lord and he proved himself holy among them. Now to all intents and purposes to just reading this through, this disobedience from Moses and Aaron seems quite a, a small thing. Many, and especially amongst the people of Israel, they seem to have done much worse things with not the same severe penalty attached to it. So what was the reason and why was God so angry with Moses and Aaron on this second occasion of approaching the rock for water? Let's examine it a bit more closely, uh, the two the two things. But before we do that, turn to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. Talking about Israel's history. Paul is talking about the history of Israel. And he's talking about coming out of Egypt. And then in verse 4 he said... And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. This is the kernel of understanding these two events. We saw that Moses and Aaron did as the Lord had commanded them. Way back the first time. He lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile. And he used that same staff the second time. The first time, sorry. This was the rod. The first time Moses struck the rock. The first time. This was the rod which was used by Moses to execute God's judgment on the wicked king who kept his people captive. This was the rod which was to be used to smite the rock. And that rock typified our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says in Corinthians. The rock was Christ. It was a picture of what Jesus Christ was going to do for us when he came. He's our rock. It was the rock it was the same rod he used to smite that rock that turned the water to blood. And because our Lord Jesus Christ was smitten by God and his blood was shed for each one of us, we have been refreshed by life-giving water. Christ is the one who has been smitten so that his life-giving precious blood would cleanse and wash away our sins and we could have abundant blessing. 
He who was smitten for you and for me. What does it say in Isaiah 53 verse 4? Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him uh, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. God, when Christ died upon the cross, he was smitten by the wrath of God. The rod of God's judgment fell upon him. And so Moses struck the rock and the people were blessed. That's what he was told to do the first time. Now let's look at the second time. Numbers 20 and verse 6. Then Moses and Aaron came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord spoke to them saying, Moses and Aaron had done the right thing. They came before God and asked for his help. We said last week, I think it was, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. We should always, the first thing we should do is to take our burdens to the Lord. Now God gave very specific and different instructions on this occasion than he had done for the first time. Note carefully, he says, take the rod, not your rod, take the rod. And then he says, speak to the rod before the people two things and so what did Moses do verse 9 so Moses took the rod from before the Lord just as he had commanded him Moses went into the sanctuary and took the rod that was before the presence of God what rod was this Moses ordinary rod was in his hand he he didn't leave that that was not in the presence of God his ordinary rod was just the one he used day by day but this rod God said take the rod from before the presence of God the rod that was before the presence of God was Aaron's rod that budded. Do you remember that story? Just look at number 17. Quick look at number 17. There had been an incident when the authority of Aaron was being questioned by the people God had acted in judgment and many people had been killed but then God acted in graciousness the Lord spake unto Moses saying in in number 17 speak unto the children of Israel and take of every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers of all their princes according to the house of their fathers twelve rods and write thou every man's name upon his rod they got all the princes together of the tribes 
and they each asked for each of them to give their rod over to be presented before the Lord and they wrote the tribe's name on it and then he says you shall write Aaron's name on another rod the rod of Levi the priestly tribe for one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers and then you shall lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I shall will meet with you and it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom and I will make to cease from the murmurings of the children of Israel whereby they murmur against me I'm going to give you a very graphic demonstration of who is anointed by God for the priesthood so Moses did that he took a rod from each of them twelve rods and the rod of Aaron was among their rods Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness and it came to pass on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and blossomed and yielded almonds and Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord unto all the children of Israel and they looked and took every man his rod and the Lord said unto Moses bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels and thou shalt quite take away their murmurings from me that they die not God acted in such gracious way towards these rebels he said now I have demonstrated who shall lead us and lead you it's Aaron's rod what a miracle not only budded it not only blossomed but at the same time it produced almonds and that rod was placed before the Lord and this is the rod that Moses and Aaron were told to present now on this occasion to the rock so Moses it says took the rod from before the Lord just as he had commanded him it wasn't his normal rod can you imagine I have an old walking stick out there imagine presenting that before the Lord and discover that it's in bud it's blooming and producing fruit what a wonderful demonstration but it was so that the men would not die God was acting in graciousness and this was the gracious rod of God which was to be brought out to show the people that God was now acting in graciousness towards them here God acted in grace towards those who had rebelled 
it is a case here of the grace of God that having done diverse miracles in punishing people for sin he would work one more miracle to prevent him having to kill off these rebels twelve rods they were probably just the old everyday rods that the men were using dried up hardened sapless rods but when Aaron's one was produced it showed that Aaron was the chosen one of God how did Jesus say we would know true people who were followers of him he said by their fruit by their fruit you shall know them how wonderful how did they people know that Aaron was the one that was to lead them in his high priestly office by the fruit of his rod while all the other rods remained as they were Aaron's rod became a living branch in some places there were buds in some places there were blossoms and in other places there was fruit Aaron was shown to be the one who was blessed by God to lead in the priestly order fruitfulness is always the divine blessing on anyone's ministry and so God said get this rod a symbol of his grace to undeserving rebels he wanted that to be present on this occasion but sadly Moses failed in his obeying God he was to speak to the rock what did he do he spoke to the people instead of speaking to the rock he'd already come to God in prayer he had already come to the rock of his salvation but now he failed he spoke to the people and you know something he smote the rock and he didn't use the rock which had been brought from the presence of God he used his own rod he decided to take things into his own hands he decided to do it his way and not God's way he resorted to his own ideas and he missed out on God's blessing how sad but you know that was a picture of Jesus Christ Romans look at Romans I'll read it out Romans 6 9 to 10 there's some very practical lessons we can learn from this knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead is never to die again death no longer is master over him for the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he gives he lives to God Hebrews 9.26 Otherwise Jesus Christ would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the consummation of the age he has been manifested to put away sin 
by the sacrifice of himself insomuch as it is appointed for man to die once and after this comes judgment Peter speaking in 1 Peter 3 verse 18 for Christ also died for sins once for all the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit Christ has died once once for all for sin Moses struck the rock Christ was smitten for us once therefore it was wrong for Moses to strike the rock the second time because that rock was a picture of what Jesus Christ was going to do for us he was to speak to the rock once we come to Christ and accept his death for us on on our behalf his death in dying for us on the cross he died so that we could have refreshment so that his blood was poured out so that our sins can be washed away he doesn't have to die again when we come to him the second time we come in prayer and requests before him the Roman Catholic Church teaches in their mass that they perform the sacrifice of the mass they want the, they sacrifice Christ on the altar in what they call an unbloody sacrifice and they crucify afresh the Lord Jesus Christ and scripture says that is damnable heresy and God takes that very seriously Let us not treat lightly the things of God. And especially anything to do with the nature of our Saviour. The precious blood of Jesus Christ shed once for you and for me. The blood of his beloved Son, God's Son, he takes that very seriously let us not take it lightly let us commence to take God's word seriously and realize the holiness of his word and of our conduct before him there's a very interesting verse in Ezekiel 8:17. it says then uh, God is speaking of the, through, through Ezekiel hast thou seen this O son of man is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here any abomination before the Lord is it a light thing to us or do we take it seriously do we treat God lightly Moses lost the privilege of seeing the promised land why because he neglected the word of God it says because ye have rebelled against my word all the wonderful things Moses did for God and yet God took this because it was a type looking forward to what Jesus Christ was going to do for us but you know this this story this sad story has a wonderful ending way into Deuteronomy 34 the very end 
of this book. Moses had spoken all the words that are in Deuteronomy to the children of Israel. And let's just, let me just read what it says in Deuteronomy chapter one, uh, 34, verse 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, on this mountain where God had told him to get up and he went up that is over against Jericho and he he looked around no the Lord showed him all the land of Gideon unto Dan and all Naphtali the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho and the city of palm trees unto Zor and the Lord said unto him this is the land which I swear unto Abraham unto Isaac and unto Jacob saying I will give it unto thy seed I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes but thou shalt not go over thither God gave him a God's eye view of the whole of the promised land. He, a guided tour from up on the mountain. He explained it all to him. And do you know something? I'm sure God said to him, well he might have, <laughs> you can't go, but I'm going to take you home. I'm going to take you to be with me. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, Lord died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Nobody ever saw him again. God took him to be with himself. God buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor, but no man knows of a sepulchre unto this day Moses had that wonderful vision of the land before God but you know he did see part of the land because he appeared to our Lord Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration He prayed. He was a man of prayer. He brought his troubles and his cares to God. God honored him so many times. God was gracious to him. God is gracious to us. And as we go through life, and as we look towards our future, let us look forward with hope and anticipation used to sing a hymn years ago sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne make all my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and grief my soul has often found relief and oft attempt escape the tempter's snare at thy return sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer 
May I thy consolation share, till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh shall drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize, and shout while passing through the air, Farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Amen.